Hello. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. Oh. oh I have been sneaking up on people lately. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I don't mean to. And I feel really badly when it effectively works. But I'm just like waiting and lingering. And then someone's like, oh. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Sorry. I, did, I didn't mean to be that person. <laughs> I Listen, no. none of us know how to be a person at all right now. So it's fine. Not at all. No. <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really strange. It, Ugh, we don't know how to people. Man, I was in, um, there's a little bar and restaurant across the street from me, and Don and I were in there the other day, and this gal who I haven't seen or thought about in a, in a very long time, um, and who has long hair that's blonde now, whereas last time I saw, like, she had, like, short, spiky red hair, and she's been in California for, like, eight months, um, she was just like, hey! Uh, oh. and, uh, and she had her mask on and we were sitting down. So we didn't. And I was like, Hey, uh-huh. <laughs> knowing full well that this moment was going to happen at some point. And then sure. thank God my friend, uh, came up and was like, Oh yeah. So-and-so has been blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, that's totally who she is. <laughs> but I... now we're in a place where we all look different. Like even if it's just a little yeah, different, yeah. we all look different. And we mm-hmm. haven't seen faces in so long, and I was shit at recognizing faces in the first place. So, <laughs> right, here right. we go. Fun time. Oh my god! I have to say, it's my favorite thing because I've been in my hometown so much this past year oh. that, um, I mean, look, <laughs> my least favorite thing is to go to a public place in my hometown, and for someone who I didn't anticipate seeing to recognize me it and like I I can't even really explain it I hope that more people feel this way so I don't feel like such an asshole because it's not even that I don't let like I like the vast majority of the people who I grew up with who I knew like I, I do at least casually sure if not like feeling really positive uh, expansive feelings <laughs> you're not like like organize a, an escape room with them no, I don't like. I don't cringe and go yee about a whole lot of people who I grew up with. That's good. Uh, just certain ones. Sure. Um, so, like the 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 odds are wildly in my favor that if somebody ran into me and I knew them, that I'd be like, oh my gosh, hey. But just the mere possibility of it makes my skin crawl on top of the roof, <laughs> and I cannot tell you. <laughs> How amazing face masks have been for that exact yeah. thing because I can go to the Target or whatever and I'm like, nobody, I wouldn't know who anyone else was. Right. If I can't see your whole face, forget it. Yeah. I have no idea. You need to literally have a neon sign stating your whole fucking name for me and uh-huh. how I know you. To be fair, I could probably recognize you by your boobs. Yeah, well, right. I mean, but you and I are very close, too. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. <laughs> I actually miss... I'm I, sure Gabby would agree with that. <laughs> I used to joke about this all the time, and it's been a long time, but, like, I have definitely seen entire group pictures of burlesque people who just had their butts to the camera, and I'm, I'm like, I know this person and this person. Like, I, I know can, that butt. Yeah, I can recognize people by their butts. That's amazing. I don't know faces. 
<laughs> That's the next it's... time I can't recognize somebody. I should be like, can you show me your butt real quick? Even if I've never seen it. Let me that get a good look. Oh, right, Trisha. How are <laughs> oh, you, babe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen that little peach in a while. <laughs> What's new, <Yeah>. Bugaboo? <laughs> <laughs> it's been so freeing. So I can just like wear a mask and I'm like, oh, right. Uh, granted, it also helps that I'm an old lady now and most of the people who I would see in the ether are like children. Mm-hmm. So. I do have, I, I can give myself that, <laughs> that reality right check. On. By the way, speaking of boobs, yes. I have not, I have not, we have not recorded since I got my vaccinate, my second vaccination. Oh, hooray. So I feel like, first of all, I feel like we can talk about two things. Mm-hmm. And that is, because I saw Lindy West talking about it, uh, about how um, her period got real funky from the first shot. As did oh, mine. Yeah, uh huh. I was a full week early Whoa. after my first shot, which sucked. <laughs> yeah. That oh, sucks. it sucked. I was like, wait, whoa, 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 nobody signed me up for this. Nobody's been talking and, about that at all. Uh, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> um, very few people, even looking on Twitter to be like, hey, because people talk about their symptoms right. or their side effects rather. Um, but my period was a whole fucking month early. Uh, not month. JK. Oh. The whole week early. It's supposed to be every month. Um, it was a whole week early, which was really strange. So now I'm kind of wondering how long it's going to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the second shot, obviously everybody's side effects are all over the place. Right. Uh, depending upon what you got. But I got Pfizer. And um, after my second shot, I felt a little tired. Like I was... I was sleepier than usual, yeah. and I got like a teeny weeny bit of post nasal drip, and a teen like one of my nostrils was congested. Hmm. And then <laughs> I got the sorest boobs Aww. I have had since I was a teenager. No bueno. They are still so sore. Oh, no. <laughs> and. The crazy thing is that, uh, well, I was like, this has to be a side effect because uh, it doesn't even feel like this when I'm getting my period. Right. Like, it, it's it's adolescent level. Oh. Um, it's growing pain level. And, um, and I looked on Twitter, and what I saw was for a lot of people who are uh, not shaped like me, mm-hmm. they were like, best thing about the vaccine is that it gave me big boobs. And I was like... Oh, wow. Again, Mm. something we should be talking about. Something we should be talking about. And a lot of people are, a lot of people are calling them vaccine boobs or Pfizer boobs. What the crap? Oh my God. (laughs) And you know, when you've, when you're already working with so much, you don't notice changes like that very easily. You just notice the pain. Mm -hmm. And so that could very well be what's going on with me. And I think the, I think the medicine behind it is that, your breasts are full of lymph nodes mm. and so your lymph nodes are oh, like okay going bananas but then again i know where all other like high functioning lymph nodes are in your body and so i don't have a sore neck or jawline or like clavicle no it's just my boobs uh-huh. so, wow but um you know, if uh, if you are experiencing these things, uh, just so you know, not a whole lot of people are talking about them. Only like four. And <laughs> it's 
uh, you're not alone and you're probably okay. And um, I know it is weird. <laughs> huh. It is weird. Yep. So weird. Who knew? Well, there you are. For fucking real. Yes. So. So. And, and, and it faded after a couple days and I was like, ooh, this is better. And now it's back. So now I'm like, uh. Oh. Okay, so I, am I like going to get my period now or is this still the vaccine working? Right. Who the fuck knows? Oh. I don't know. I'm sorry about and... your titty tenderness. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that's yuck the one time I had that real bad like I couldn't even wear a bra I was just like everything uh, like I'm <laughs> I'm holding them right now I'm like oh babe and I have to wear a bra mm-hmm. when when they get this achy because mm-hmm. otherwise they move too much oh <laughs> although I will say nothing like the nothing beats in those moments the agony of having worn a bra and then taking it off so oh. getting a bunch of motion mm. after you were still for whatever 12 uh, hours or something yep uh, yeah <laughs> cool fun anyway Great. weirdness happy to be vaccinated i was just telling lillian i saw a very disheartening New York Times thing that was like, um, we meant to, we were really trying to make herd immunity, but given the way things have grown, uh, as vastly as they have, herd immunity is virtually impossible now, which doesn't, like, it's not something that we can catch up to, it's just that variants are happening now, and so now that we, like, missed the window, we have to move our expectations for what? coronavirus is going to look like in the future so um i'm sure part of that is like misinformation and not targeting people who are not getting it well Mm -hmm. or correctly um although i will say the the map of states who are getting the most vaccinations of course lines up with oh i can't voting districts yeah Uh uh-huh Obviously, like side by side, they are virtually the same. Um, But I'll also say that the rollout has been so fucking sucky. I can't stop thinking about that. The episode we did a number of weeks ago where we were talking about the facility in Newark and how like. And they have tons and tons of vaccine and their system was so fucked that nobody could get it. Tons. Yes. Uh, I have to wonder how much of that is still happening sure. with people who can't, like... Sure. And so, yeah, that sucks. Uh, That sucks. So I, I just, I don't know. I hope these vaccines do protect us. I hope that the variants are still not really readily accessible, although there's... Um, not a whole lot of science that points to them not being able to bust right through a vaccine. Oh, my God. Um, Dr. Oz yesterday was like. That uh, dick. <laughs> he's so gross. Um, he's so gross. Please go ahead. He was like, uh, one of the chief complaints about people who are vaccine hesitant um, is that, like, well, we still have to wear masks everywhere. What's the point? And I, I was like, A, you very know well what the fucking point is. It's so that you don't die by accident, you dipshit. But 
but like it's also to signal and so this was this is coming on the heels of like the CDC saying you don't need to wear them outside oh yeah oh my god oh guys Lillian Lillian sent me a message with the link to that and she goes well it's all over it's over (laughs) it's over the CD says C says I don't have to wear a mask it's over uh, uh, um, oh man, we are so fucked. So, uh, yeah, because there's no way to roll things like that back. That we've like we've discussed yeah. with the whole mask thing in the first place. They were like, wear them. Oh, don't wear them. Oh, wear them. And right. all people could remember was the part where they didn't have to take any personal responsibility. So, oh god. Um, but he was saying that he wants to encourage non-vaccinated people to, like, go out and be seen as though we're all supposed to be role models for unvaccinated people to be like, we're having a great time. And I was like, that would be fine if you stamped everybody on the forehead who actually got a vaccine. But you can't tell who's just fucking around and who is actually, like, taking the, the steps. Like, that's, I don't see how that's going to help anything. And the fact that he said it, it sounded like a fifth grader making it up. You know what I mean? These are people who are already going out and doing what they want. I, I yeah, mean, there's well, plenty, there, if, I, if you're looking around for exam- examples of people being maskless, you don't have to look far. Right. You don't have to be oh like, where God. is everybody? I just don't get it. It's a mystery. Uh, go to Hoboken. They're doing whatever the fuck they want. Although that that is only part of vaccine hesitant. Obviously, there are people who are hesitant who are like, I don't know if it's safe. And I also respect that this is a pandemic and I'm just going to stay inside and wait it out. I understand that there are a million different reasons why people wouldn't want the vaccine. It's, For it's so sure. frustrating to me that in that subset of people who I think have good reasons, there's also people who I think don't have good reasons. <laughs> but Yo, also, sure, sure, yes. that's, you know, an opinion. Everybody has one. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, I love the fucking Dr. Oz is like, hey, everybody who just did this thing to protect themselves and others, go do some really risky shit. <laughs> no! No, bitch. I mean, that's pretty on brand for him, so why not? I know. I just, well, I can't. He's so irresponsible with his power. <laughs> what a dick. Man. Anyway. Yes, for sure. Anyway. Um, I was saying uh, Don's birthday is coming up, and there's a place, because we are we are doing indoor dining now, but we're being, you know, as cautious as we can be about it. And there's a place in Jersey City called White Eagle Hall, and it's a big 2,000-person music venue that obviously hasn't been having any events. So they're teaming up with the the restaurant that's right next door called Madame Claude's, and you can get full dinner service on Thursday, Friday, Saturday in this big, beautiful, high-ceilinged concert venue, and there's going to be a band on the stage. So I'm really, really excited about that. We did get to see live so music good. recently. Um, I had mentioned, but like this is, it's going to be really special. I'm excited about it. I love that. Uh, <clears throat> people are starting to ask me to do the things that, um, in addition to things that I want to do, I'm like, yes, please, please come ask me to do these things. People are now starting to do the um I used to call it drowning, drowning in a sea of tiny favors. 
Mm. And that's all starting to... That's a visceral response. Yeah. So all of those tiny favors are starting to pop up again, and I really have to really? decide for myself. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily in-person things, but people who haven't talked to me in yeah. a while are like, hey, how have you been now that things are normal? Like, are you doing this? Like, would you like to do this? Do you want to... And, you know, uh, a people lot... People are so fucking preemptive. Uh, <laughs> So a lot of times God. I am, you know, I'm getting back into the point where I'm like, I'm so flattered to be asked. And then I'm like, I I was so nice when I didn't have to do all this stuff. I mean, I never have to. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Uh, perhaps I need to practice saying no. I think that's a great idea. I have a, I have a not, um, a not dead week this week it's so strange i i'm doing um i'm doing a podcast with rattlestick uh with rattlestick theater yeah which i whom i worked with off broadway a million and one years ago so we have like rehearsals and i'm doing that tomorrow i'm talking oh fuck buddies i'm so excited i will give you more details later but i am talking with nikki blonsky of hairspray of of the newer version of hairspray uh tomorrow wednesday i actually think that it's going to be released on the same day as you're listening to this episode i'm going to be uh, interviewed by Nikki Blonsky and I'm so excited because I've just been waiting to talk to her honestly for like 15 years Yeah, <laughs> at this point um, and I don't know I'm not certain I have looked at the people that she's talked with before but I don't know if she's like really sat down and had a tete-a-tete with another fat actor and I'm really excited Yay. to jam with her Yay. about that um, she also came out as queer this year. So I'm, I just like, I, I, I can't, I have a million and one things to ask her and to jam with her on. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And I have some like auditions to tape and some uh, Columbia classes that I'm guesting in. Cool. Um, y- yeah. So everything, everything is virtual. I'm not going anywhere, but it does sort of feel like a week in the before. And that all feels like, oh, I used to be good at this. <laughs> mm. Now it just feels like a lot. Now I just kind of feel like I want to lie down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, know. I actually had to fight that this morning. I got up early so that I could prep for, for what we're doing today. Uh, and there was a moment like around 9.15 where I was like, I did everything I needed to do. I could just close my eyes again. And then I was like, girl, you know you're not going to wake up until 11 a.m. if you do. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, here's something funny. Uh, not funny. Not uh, So I have some – there's an entertaining level to this and also like an, oh, holy crap, look at these kids. Um, I have – a friend whose child thinks first came out as a lesbian who's um, 12-ish and then she was like I I need to explore this I I think I might be a trans boy Um, and there are apparently this isn't a part of a floor that where you would not be like I bet this is a thing but there's a lot of kids her age who are going through this and being open about it and yet she's not able to get 
any kind of help from the school district as far as counseling goes, which is utter bullshit. But anyway, um, so I was talking to my friend about her kid and what they're going through with that. And then like later, (laughs) later in the day, my friend Kelly was, uh, she sent me some voice memos telling me like things that were happening with her kids. And she (laughs) said that her daughter said to her son, um, he was like, oh, girl. And she was like, um, I'm, I'm not a girl. I'm they, you bitch. (laughs) And they're six. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. And I was saying to Don, like this kind of thing, this kind of thing, it's incremental until it's an avalanche. You know what I mean? And until it reaches that tipping point and then, and then it's all of a sudden Republicans are okay with gay marriage. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Right, right, right. It's not something they're going to freak out about anymore. And I wonder, I wonder how many, how many turnovers of, of six-year-olds and 12-year-olds it's going to take before gender is really less of an issue than it has ever been historically over the entire time of life on this planet of people yeah i think it's close i love that yeah same here it it, it is just like anything else um it and it has to happen to enough kids that enough adults start caring because it's their own and enough old people need to die off (laughs) (laughs) you're not wrong this is the case with so many things i mean like it sounds callous but the bottom line is it the the youth are always going to be the ones who adopt those more radical views and then you need you need it to happen to younger people so that there are adults who are invested in them and then you have to get rid of the elderly people who don't give a shit about the kids because they have no stake in the game right and this is not to say we do not want a, a like a <laughs> We don't want to it's kill not about off like mass euthanasia over a certain age, <laughs> right? But no, there, not at all. you know, there's a a a correlation between, uh, you know, there's more closed-minded people in the older population than there are, and there's such a <clears throat> um, chafing that is happening mm. right now. Very good. Yes, it's so much chub rub. Mm, so much chub rub. <laughs> Oh, so much chub rub in August when you have had to transfer subway stations nine times thus far. Oh, man. And then like you're trying to navigate it, but you're like, you don't want to do an obvious waddle. But also you're like, this is going to take at least two days to recover from. Then you're stuck at one of the stations that goes from like. (laughs) <laughs> from like Sixth Avenue to Madison, where they have the underground tunnel. Oh, ew. So that you... <laughs> ew. ew! I don't miss that at all. Oh man! Oh no! By the way, I had a city nightmare the other night. It wasn't a pandemic nightmare, so it wasn't like I find myself in the middle of New York and everything's bustling, and I'm like, "Oh, it's over!" And people are like, "No, it's not!" <laughs> and I'm like, "Ah, get me out of here!" Yeah. Um, it wasn't. Yeah, that. I have those dreams. However. It was dearly irritating, and I was just trying to cross the street, and I couldn't get a crosswalk, and then a cop was moving in front of me with, like, a big barricade, and I'm like, come on! And he's like, you gotta wait! And I'm like, this is bullshit. I don't miss this. Oh, not at all. (laughs) Get me out of here. No, not at all. I had a dream the other night that's clearly an anxiety dream about my show starting on Thursday, 
that was uh it was like we were all doing a play that i had written and it was very exciting because it was like the first in-person thing that this theater had done since the pandemic and Mm -hmm. people i was like boop 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 how fun is this rehearsal what's going on and people were like oh my god where have you been like dragging me backstage and like the audience has been out there for an hour everybody's ready to go and i was like i was like oh we should start that and they were like well you had the first line so you should go and i was like I don't know what this play is. Uh, yes. Yes. And then I was I, like, I can go I, uh-huh. on with a script. And they were like, nope, you've ruined everything. It's all over. We're going to tell her when to go. And I was no. like, well, well, well. and then, oh, I've had that. And then moments sure. later, moments later, I was in an Airbnb with a friend and there, the, it was like the kind of Airbnb where the family is also in the space with you where it's like you're renting a room in somebody's house and the whole family would not leave us alone. Um, and, no. and one of them was Adam driver <laughs> and he was like, I don't understand. So weird. I don't understand why you're so sensitive, but why are you being so sensitive about this? All we want to do is be friendly. God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's because you're Adam driver. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a weird dream. Mm-hmm. And by weird, I mean amazing. amazing. Um, oh my God. It wasn't super scary though and jen and i have been in the mood for scary lately so i hope that you will indulge us because we're gonna read you some creepy shit today especially because i have been re-listening to our old episodes specifically to like to just hear our quarantine our quarantine unfolding as like new news hit every day as you went through your illness (sighs) and remembering that we got to scary stories not because we were bored but because we were like oh my god this is terrifying I want to be terrified about other stuff. Yes. yes. I don't want to be scared about this the most. Mm-hmm. I want to be scared about something else. So, um, <laughs> in 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 that spirit, we have more scary stories. We love you. You're welcome. Yay. Hey. So, I um I have long enjoyed the Reddit uh the subreddit Let's Not Meet. Now, the difference between Let's Not Meet and any of the other um, forums, forums, yeah, that's a good way to put it, is that it's true stories that happen to you, and they do, um, how you say, they curate it, and they don't take supernatural things. So Jen's probably got some ghosty things, and I have yes, some I've real got life paranormal stuff, creepy shits. So yeah, the <clears throat> the subreddit says a place to read spine tingling, unusual, terrifyingly true stories about people you never want to meet again. Uh, do you want me to go first? I would love that. <laughs> I'm I'm hankering for what you have. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Right. Uh, so in scrolling through things, um, you know, there's all on Reddit, there's things that like a hundred people have been like, this is good. And there's 600 people. And then there's like 3000 people. Um, and so this one, um, has in the 600s posted by user Vaultmade, V-A-U-L-T-M-A-D-E a month ago. Um, and this is something that I very much relate to and I bet Uh-oh. you do too. I was stalked because of a single act of meaningless kindness. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Just to preface this story, this happened about 12 years ago when I was around 13 years old. The memories and emotions of this incident had faded away into the back of my mind, but recently I started having flashbacks of this incident, and it led to multiple panic attacks while driving in public. 
driving slash in public. After some deliberation, I thought perhaps writing about it and sharing it with a community that might understand the fear of experiencing this sort of thing might help me feel validated with my emotions. So here goes. I was a 13-year-old living abroad when this happened. To give a short background info, uh, short background info that might help you understand the story better, I was living in an apartment complex. Every morning, the school buses would arrive at the main entrance of the entire complex and pick up the kids for school. The church I was attending at that time also operated buses to help people get get back home. So every Sunday after the services were done, I would take the church bus back home. That's so cute. Um, That's so weird. It is but weird. adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I never doubted my sense of security and safeness since this kind of system made me feel safe and protected. That was until I met him on one Sunday morning. I was a church kid and quite involved one too. I was serving the youth group as part of the welcome team for newcomers when I met him. Oh, I used to do that too. And let's talk about how don't have 12 year olds like welcome grownups into a church. That's weird. That's Especially just... grownups looking for salvation. <laughs> That's fair, too. Mm. If you're troubled, talk to our 12-year-old daughter. Um, he entered... You have a lot to repent for? Here's a child. What's <laughs> <Yeah>. one, <laughs> one more? Uh, I was serving the youth group as part of the welcome tr- team for newcomers when I met him. He ent- entered the chapel with his mother following behind, and she explained that they had recently moved to the country and were just starting to settle down. My first impression of him was that he was lanky, shy, and very quiet. He seemed so harmless, innocent, naive, so when his mother left him after filling out the form, I gave him a smile, greeted him, led him to an empty seat, and I thought nothing more of him until I saw him again in my small group. Also, what are all these kids doing in church without their parents? Why is that kid not sitting with his mom? Why is she taking the bus home by herself? Like, what's going on here? Mm. Uh, I don't get it. Excuse me. So I greeted him again, saying something like, so nice to see you again. I still remember how he just shyly nodded, not really answering me. When the small group time ended, I took out Haichu. Oh, I love it. That Korean candy that's sort of like Starbucks. Oh, Except yes, it's tangier. Okay. Oh, it's so good. I gave one to everyone in the group, even the teacher. And as I handed the rectangular candy to him, he softly whispered thank you and walked away. That was the first time I heard him speak. I hadn't realized he was living in the same complex as me until I got off the church bus and saw him coming down the steps of the bus as well. It was a funny coincidence, so I told him how weird it was that we were in the same small group and also living in the same complex. He nodded again, and I walked off because he was waiting for his mom and little sister who were coming behind him. My apartment building was number 20, the first in a row of buildings. I had opened the door and was about to go in when he followed behind me. Me, still in that newcomer greeting mode, responded to this by asking if he was living in the same building as well. He nodded again. I noticed that his mother and sister were not here yet, so I got into the elevator first, asked him if he was going to wait for them, and then gave him my goodbye when he quietly nodded yes. The next morning, I saw him waiting in the lobby when I got out of the elevator. He was alone, and I asked if he was waiting for his sister. He nodded, so I just gave him a quick have a nice day and ran off so I wouldn't miss my school bus. And for every day that week, I saw him waiting for his sister in the lobby, standing in the corner right in front of the elevators. I didn't think much of it. I would always say hi or good morning to him, and he would just nod or wave timidly. There was nothing more to it than that, that is, until one Sunday when I got back home after church. He was walking behind me, this time together with his sister and mom, so I thought I would be a nice girl and hold the door for them. Oh, no. Fuck politeness. So I waited holding the the door open, only to have all three of them walk right past my building. Strange, I thought, so I peeked my head out to see that they were entering building number 15, which was five buildings down the street. At first, I didn't think much of it, thinking that they had moved out of Building 20 and into 15, but when I stepped out of the elevator next morning to see him again in the lobby, 
in the same corner he was standing in every morning. Oh, no. (laughs) My heart sank deep. I don't know how I responded to it, but I remember choosing not to confront him because I was in denial that this was actually happening and didn't have the courage to ask him for an answer. Things quickly progressed since that day. I started getting late night calls to my cell phone. The typical not going to speak, but just going to breathe heavily kind of call that makes you feel insecure, even though you know you are safe in your room. He also stopped waiting for me in the lobby since that morning, but would stand in the far corner of the street every day and watch me watch for me to and get on the bus and wait, watch me wait for and get on the bus. Me becoming hypervigilant didn't help with the situation either. I could always spot him watching me, even though he would often try to hide behind a thick tree or the guard's cabin. No, like literally hiding behind a tree. Oh, no. It made me feel sick to my stomach, but I don't think I felt so threatened and cornered to the point, at least in the moment, that I wanted to seek adult help. I was a very, very private teenager, 12-year-old, you're 12, who was already keeping some traumatic experiences a secret from my parents. So naturally, this felt like another secret that I would keep so they wouldn't worry about me. Also, very relatable content. Relatable. At church, I kept up my bright facade, but would distance myself as far as possible to avoid any sort of contact with him. I actively put this distance between him and me because whenever I decided to play by my facade and say hi to him, instead of returning my greetings, he would stare once at my face and then just drop his gaze down to my private areas. The fact that it was summer and I was wearing shorts did not help at all whenever he stared at my thighs and between my legs. The shame, the embarrassment, the feeling that I was being dirtied by his gaze, the anxiety, the paranoia, it was too much for me. I started skipping the small group session and left right after the youth group ended so I would avoid getting home with him at the same time. On days that I did happen to attend small group, I just sat quietly, unwilling to speak a single word while he stared at me intensely. One day, while the teacher was leading the discussion... He suddenly burst into an angry yell, shouting, Why do you keep ignoring me when you clearly know that I like you? Needless to say, I was embarrassed, shamed, shocked, and terrified all at the same time. The teacher tried to de-escalate the situation, but he stormed out after yelling how frustrated he was with me for not returning his affection. I I wanted to leave as well, but the fear that I might run into him made me stay in my seat while everyone in the group quietly whispered among themselves about the sudden drama that happened before them. It was a huge shock to me that he was doing all these things because he liked me. But what shook me more at the moment was the fact that the teacher didn't seem to be phased at all by this sudden outburst. No, girl. She didn't Mm-mm. seem to be surprised by the fact that he had such feelings for me. Instead, she casted glances at me with some sort of knowing in her eyes. I had always Ugh. wondered how he got hold of my phone number. This was it. No! The teacher dismissed everyone but asked me to stay. I was always the model student at church, but the moment I was left alone with her, I lost it. I cursed and swore and demanded her to tell me if she knew. If she knew how much she was... You enabling fuck. Right. If If she knew how much he was making my life miserable. She told me she knew he liked me. Apparently, he started liking me because that stupid ass candy I gave him on the first day. She had given him my number because she thought it was cute seeing him like me so much. So I told her what he had been doing, how he waited for me every morning in the lobby, even though he lived in a different building, how he would stare and watch me from the corner of the street, how he would stare between my thighs and my chest, how he would call me late at night with the heavy breathing at all. I was having trouble speaking and breathing because of how much I was crying. But I remember yelling, he's like a fucking stalker. And that was when I fully recognized that I was being stalked. 
When I became yeah. quiet due to the shock of the realization, this teacher took her chance to speak with me and told me that he was a mentally troubled kid who didn't know better, so I needed to just bear with it. That was the end of the Mm-mm. conversation. Mm-mm. Can you Mm-mm. even imagine Fuck you. being a fully What an enabling adult, piece of shit. Right, and making that decision, blaming it on something like that, and then, like, I mean, so if, if this is what we're talking about, if this is how we're labeling the kid is troubled again in a church where they're they're having children <laughs> greet people willy-nilly um i bet this troubled child should have this uh, this little girl's phone number oh god i i i hate that mm. i hate that more than this but the this that i hate it that i fucking loathe mm. is when people make you regret being kind oh yeah Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that has happened to me multiple times in my life um, where, yeah, I was either just trying to be nice or trying to be friendly or back when I used to smoke, like bumming somebody a cigarette and then you're stuck talking to them. Um, Ooh, the rage. Yeah. The rage and indignation and injustice that I feel when people make you regret being kind. It's – it it is – it's like it rains fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize how long this one was, but I'm. I still think it's interesting. Um, <laughs> honestly, there's a gap in my memory after that day, so it's hard for me to recall what events had led up to it. But the last time I saw him was when I had the most fearful encounter with him. I was already on the church bus waiting. There were two girls sitting a couple rows ahead of me, and the bus was silent. Other than that, I was sitting by the aisle when I saw him get on the bus. The strange thing was that when he got on the bus, the two girls suddenly became turned extremely hostile towards him and told him get the fuck off the bus, calling him a fucking pervert. He responded angrily, well, you whores aren't the ones I wanted to see anyways, so shut up. This was the first time I heard him speak with such profanity, so I was honestly shocked. Then he fixed his eyes straight at me, walked over to where I was and sat a road diagonally behind my seat. My heart was pounding at this point, and I wanted to sit by the windows to hide from his gaze, but I was scared that he would think of it as an invitation to sit down next to me. So I stayed frozen in my seat until more people came in and only moved to the window seat when an adult asked if they could sit next to me. I think there was an instinctive feeling that told told me I couldn't get off together with him, so I purposefully got off at the stop before my apartment. It was only a 600-meter walk, however far that is, from the bus stop to my home, so I mixed in with the people and got off the bus with them. The bus had stopped by the side entrance of another apartment complex. I just needed to walk down the street to get to mine, but the street was empty and deserted because it was one of those areas that were waiting to be developed by the city. So I started walking towards my home when I realized that he had also gotten off the bus with me. No. He was walking a few feet behind me, and my gut wrenched as he got closer and closer. Something told me that being alone with him on the street was dangerous, so I broke into a run until I saw an alleyway that parted off from the road. In a panic, I turned into the alley and was relieved when I saw that there were some smaller shops that were busy with people. They were hanging, uh, there were people hanging in the alleyway, chilling by benches outside and stuff. I was certain that he couldn't have followed me into the alley after I ran, but still uh, looked behind to check just in case. There he was, still following after me. He had, he had started running too. My relief quickly turned into terror, and I hastened my pace, purposely weaving in between the people in hopes of losing him, but whenever I looked back, I could still see him. Eventually, the people hanging by the shops thinned out, and I was walking in an empty alleyway. 
On the opposite end of the alley, I could see that there was a bigger road with more cars and people. I was already quite out of breath as I wasn't a fit person, but with my last breath, I ran for the busy road, hoping to lose him if he was still behind me. I stopped once I reached the busy road and turned around to look into an empty alley. I stood for an extra minute staring into the alley to confirm he wasn't following me. Fortunately, my friend's house was close by, and so I stayed at her place until I felt safe enough to walk home. This was the last time I saw him. I stopped going to the small groups. I started serving uh, children's department as an accompanist so I could avoid going to the youth group. I didn't see him again after that, but one time I happened to meet my small group teacher. She told me that he had left the country. Apparently, surprise, he was reported multiple times at school for lewd behavior, such as sneaking into the girls' restroom, which is why the girls on the bus were grossed out by him, and in the end had to be expelled from school. Ha ha ha. Um, yeah. Boop, boop. I think that when I decided to bury the terror and fear away because he was no longer an immediate threat in my life. Funny story, though, after that whole incident, I had to watch Ferris Bueller's day off at school. But the moment Ferris's friend Cameron Fry showed on the screen, I had to run to the bathroom and throw up because the actor's face looked exactly like him. Oh, no, Alan Ruck. Uh-huh. And just watching the face brought back the trauma. I can now watch the movie, but looking at Cameron's face still gives me anxiety. Girl... Girl, girl, who knew that this would tie into last week when we talked about weird movies that you watched a lot at school? Who the fuck Ferris plays Ferris Bueller at school? That's, that is the opposite of school. And that's the, it's the exact opposite of school. That's so fucking great. Oh, my oh. God. Uh, TLDR. <laughs> Uh, oh, anyways, if uh, anyone has made it to the end of this long post, thanks for sticking with with me. I often wonder what might have become of him and wonder if his parents knew what his son was. If he was truly suffering from mental illness, my only hope is that he received the proper treatment so that no one else had to go through what I had to. Wow. And it's true. Like, none, none, a, a commenter is like, even if it is in mental illness, which, you know, it's not... The fact that no one was trying to get this kid help and telling the girls that they had to put up with it, that's not helping anybody. Yes. Yes. It's just the same old shit of boys will be boys and putting the blame on you and putting the onus on you for some for someone's fucking entitled shit behavior. Right. <laughs> which is not always mental illness. Sometimes people for, are just Which dicks. is often not mm-hmm. mental illness. Often, it's toxic toxic masculinity. Ruins the party again. Every fucking time. <clears throat> you ready? Yes. I'm ready for something. You ready? Gimme. You ready for something scary? Gimme. All right. Gimme. This is, uh, so I'm I'm going to read the scary stories from Jezebel. This is from user Astragalus. I had an experience a few years back that still gives me the chills. In the winter of 2012... I was dating a single father of two. He lived about an hour south of me in Olympia, Washington, and I would regularly travel down to spend time with him and the kids. Olympia is notoriously home to several what are called black houses, shitty, run-down properties painted completely black, including doors and trim. The quote-unquote black houses are managed by an aging goth dentist. Oh my god. I'm starting a band and naming it Asian Goth Dentist. 100%. They're commonly rented out to college kids, artists, and metalheads. I mean that track. Yes. 
Though the man I was seeing no longer <laughs> lived in one of these cesspits, he had in the recent past. In fact, the house he rented at the time was only a matter of blocks from his previous black house. Anyway, during that winter, I decided to make a quick run to the grocer one night. Like most nights in the Pacific Northwest, the dark sets in early, and the cold, moody drizzle never abates. Such was the case this particular night, when I left my partner's house in my shitty car, having to pause a handful of blocks away so the heat could properly kick in and dispel the fog from my windshield. As I waited and the windshield began to clear, I was blowing warmth into my hands when I noticed the thick steam from my vehicle rising in swaths. At that moment, I swear I saw a figure cross directly in front of me, hunched over, and then sort of vanish into the billowing moisture burning off from the underside of my car. I was immediately creeped out as my headlights were doing a decent job of lighting up the residential intersection I had stopped in, but I couldn't see a damn thing more. So, I go do my little shopping trying to shake what I had seen, and returned to the warm, well-lit house of my partner. The kids were asleep. When I began to tell him of my somewhat embarrassing fright, he got really quiet and then became insistent on details. What intersection? What side of the street? Turns out, I had stopped directly outside of the black house he had lived in. He then proceeds to tell me in a hushed tone some of the fucked up shit that happened while he lived in that particular house. See, when he was living there, aside from himself and the kids, he was living with his former partner and another adult roommate who was also a dear friend of his. One day, the roommate moved out very suddenly and without, with hardly any explanation. There's an asterisk. <laughs> Turns out the former roommate had vacated the black house so suddenly because they had also been experiencing a high degree of negative activity, and they hadn't wanted to tell anyone for fear of upsetting the kids. Shortly after that roommate moved out, everyone else moved on to nicer living arrangements, and life in the black house was fading into memory. However... Around that time, the youngest daughter, who was pretty late in terms of normal speech development, was becoming much more verbal. As she became more verbal, her dad began to notice a recurring character that she and her older sister would speak of relatively often. Don't like it. Let's let's call him Bob. One night while dad was reading to the kids, as is his nightly habit, he asked the youngest who Bob is. Her response, Bob is the one that crawls up the wall like this. She made a stretching, spider-like motion with her arms. Oh, no. And he watches us when you read at night. Horrified, Dad asked if Bob was in the room at that moment, to which the youngest simply said, no, he lives at the old house. He didn't want to move with us. Terrible. Oh, no. He's the Terrible. crawls up the wall like this. No. 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 Absolutely the fuck not. The fuck not. Mm. Oh, Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Oh, yep. I think nope. some of the ones that I picked are a little too long. 
Um, here's a quickie. Mm-hmm. Um, nurse said it was my own fault that he hurt me. Uh huh. This happened to me, uh, uh, happened to me when I was 21 after an OD suicide attempt. I woke up in the hospital in the middle of the night to a nurse saying he needed to replace my IV. He jabs me two or three times but doesn't hit a vein, so I asked if he could get someone else to try. He says no and keeps going. As he's doing this, he's pushing and wiggling the needles around under my skin, saying he's trying to get the vein. No. By the seventh or eighth needle, it registers that he's intentionally trying to hurt me. I say, why are you doing this? He just says, it's your own fault you're here. (gasps) You piece of shit. I was too weak to fight back, and it was the middle of the night, and there was no one else around I could call. poor baby. I have no idea how many times he ended up puncturing me. The next day, a different nurse was taking out my IV. She was horrified because she said it was... The biggest needle she'd ever seen used on a living patient. Not sure why you would use needles on a dead patient, but that's what she said. Uh, probably to pipe in like for fucking formaldehyde. Probably a big gate, a a, a small gauge like that. Good, small number, wide gauge. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ! What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, a lot of people, people. A lot of people shrug this off when I tell them about it, but it was so terrifying being alone, helpless, and knowing that the person who was supposed to care for you hated you and wanted to cause you pain. So yeah, night oh. nurse who loves huge needles and hates mentally ill girls. Let's not meet again. Oh, that poor! I God damn it! Ugh, hate it. Oh, all right. Bah. Here you go. Uh. I'm so mad. Ugh. This is from She Who Has No Name. This will probably get buried, but this thread is the best, and I've always wanted to contribute. I grew up in a very spooky old town with roots that go back to early colonial days, so I have lots of creepy stories from my childhood and young adulthood. Here's one that I call baby dolls. In the town where I grew up, we had a lot of summer tourists who visited for the beaches and historic small town experience. I feel like Key West or maybe even St. Augustine. (laughs) (laughs) I got my first summer job when I was 14, working in a doll shop in the touristy part of town. Nope, 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 nope. (laughs) Was it called Needful Things? (laughs) The shop was on the first floor of an old Victorian building with gingerbread trim. Annabelle's Annex. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Deals, deals, deals. (laughs) We we sold expensive collectible dolls, and most of our clients were older women rather than children. Mm-hmm. I loved the shop, the shop, and the elderly German couple who ran it. Ah, spoiler alert! And I have to admit that it was a creepy place. The creepiest thing in the store was the collection of life-size baby dolls. Mm. The dolls were weighted so that when you Mm. picked them up, they felt like a real baby in your Mm -hmm. arms. The baby doll display was the centerpiece of the store, with babies sleeping in cradles or staring out at the customers with their wide, lifeless eyes. They were big sellers among elderly women nostalgic for motherhood. Ugh. No, that's true. (laughs) The, um, I think they're called, uh, Reborn or something like that. Yeah. That's a real thing. There were meetups about them. Oh, mm-hmm. 
That makes me profoundly sad. Yeah. It is. It's there's. Yes. They're definitely used as surrogates for. Anyway. It doesn't make them less creepy in the context. No, I know. (laughs) It's creepy and sad. Uh, Creepy dolls aside, the worst part of my job was going into the stock room in the back. The stock room was accessed from the back of the store, a hallway lined with shelves. Each shelf had stacks of narrow boxes, like coffins, with the little dolls laying quietly inside. Cute. Fun. The hallway was lit by a bare bulb, sure, because it's the fucking Happiness Hotel, (gasps) that that you turned on by pulling a string. Yes. My fave. It It felt sort of like a tomb. It was always really cold back there, even in the summer. I would always rush to get out of the stockroom as quickly as I could. Eventually, I was put in charge of organizing and restocking and had to spend more time in the stockroom. It was then that I noticed something strange. Things wouldn't be where I left them. One day, I would find a doll box in a totally wrong place. I'd put it back where it belonged, and a few days later, it would be hidden again. The same thing happened in the store itself. Dolls would be carefully placed on display, and then they'd end up in a totally new spot. This wouldn't be weird if it happened during the day when customers were around. Oh my god! But it often happened overnight, oh. so the things were out of place when I came back to my shift in the morning. I hate it. I hate it. Things really came to a head when I was alone in the stockroom taking inventory, checking the doll boxes as quickly as I could. When I finally turned to leave, the door wouldn't budge. I gave it a wiggle and tried again. Old doors sometimes stick, but it was clear that it was locked from the outside. I started to panic and knock on the door for help. Mm. The single light bulb seemed suddenly very precarious, and I was scared it would go out, leaving me locked in a dark, cold tomb surrounded by dolls. <sighs> Luckily, since I was so young, I never worked in the shop alone, and the owner heard me knocking to be let out. The owner was an old German woman named Eunice. She wasn't surprised to find me locked in the storeroom. It had apparently happened to everyone who worked there. Cool. She told me it was, quote-unquote, probably the ghost who locked me in there because she, quote-unquote, didn't want you to take any of her babies. Wait, what now? (laughs) Apparently, the building had been used as a brothel in the late 1800s. Rumor had it that one of the sex workers had gotten pregnant, but tragically died in childbirth along with her baby. Hmm. Eunice believed that when the doll shop moved in, it reawakened the spirit of this dead woman. She would come out at night and cradle the dolls like her lost child. Eunice said that while the ghost liked to play tricks on the workers, she didn't seem mean-spirited. You just had to ask her to stop. (laughs) From then on, I made a habit of talking to the ghost whenever I went into the stockroom. I would say things like, Hello there, I know you like these babies, and you are welcome to spend all the time you like with them. I just need to count to find out how many are back here, and things like that. The next, the next time I got locked in the storage room, I asked her to please let me out so that I could get back to caring for the babies. When I tried the door again... 
it opens. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, God. I shan't. Oh, my God. Why? That was that. The hits just keep coming. That one was packed. <gasps> Yikes. That was Yikes. that was levels of creep. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is from a user um, APO underscore K-A-L-I-X. Um, and I'm not going to read the title because it gives it away. Okay. <clears throat> a bit of context first. My cat likes to go outside every day. In the morning, he follows us to the door, takes the elevator down with us, and then goes about his day outside until we bring him home again in the evening. I do not understand places where you both live in an apartment and your cat comes can hang out outside. Like, that's, I don't understand the world in which it's safe enough for that to happen and you're in an apartment building, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Now, my cat isn't the most punctual guy, so it's pretty common for him to stay much later in the neighborhood, sometimes well into the night or for several days. Or he gets bored and doesn't play for more than two hours and then wants to get back inside. Problem is we're not home, so he just has to wait. My family and I live in an apartment on the first floor, so my cat's solution is to sit under one of our balconies and meow at the top of his lungs to get our attention. When we're home, it works perfectly fine, but when we're not, it's a lot less effective. So our solution was to gently ask our neighbors that have the key to our apartment to bring him up. You know, if I was that neighbor, I would be like, how about not letting your cat out, dumbass? (laughs) How about we do that? How about not making that choice? Yeah. Oh, someone's (laughs) calling me from a number I don't know. Um, bye. Decline. Uh, how about not making that choice? Um, but apparently their neighbors are either suckers or like them very much. So, uh, uh, gently ask our neighbors who have the key to the apartment to bring him up so he hasn't, doesn't have to wait outside all day. Those that don't have the key sometimes let him inside the building so he's not literally outside, for example, when it's raining. Except for then the cat pees in your lobby. Like, what is happening at this apartment building that everybody's in on this cat situation? Anyway. Why are you like this? Our apartment's a bit special because it's bigger than the others. So to get inside, there are two ways when you get in the main hall. One, take the stairs to the left and open the door that has two locks. Two, use the elevator with the special key that goes directly inside our apartment. Herc! I never want that. And the door only has one lock. I don't want that ever. These people... Uh, anyway, the cat is the cat's used to the second option and me too because we're both lazy. But when the neighbors that don't have the key let him inside the building, he goes up the stairs and waits. That's cute. Since I usually use the elevator from the parking two floors below, that means I don't see him waiting in the hall and he meows outside the door to get me to open up for him. All around we have our habits with my parents and the neighbors and it works fairly well. Now you know how things go with my little guy. Anyway, what's, here's what happened. <laughs> My, so my parents like the outdoors very much, so I'm usually left alone in the weekends. Generally, it means taking care of chores and inviting friends over so we can have the apartment to ourselves. This time, I was alone. It was late, 11 p.m.-ish, and I was just chilling in the living room before hearing meowing over the sound of the TV. Someone let my cat in the building, and he's waiting outside the door. I took my keys and started opening the first lock. I don't know about other pet owners, but I know my cat meows by heart. It's kind of a rising... Meow! That's very high-pitched and very cute and also has a very specific rhythm because I've been hearing it nearly every day for five years. So I stopped. The noise isn't what it usually is. It's too deep and just off. This isn't my cat outside the door, and he's the only cat around that knows he has to wait by the door and scream to be let inside. Oh, no. 
By that point, I stopped halfway through opening the door and waited to hear him again and noticed scratching. My cat never scratches that door. At that point, I'm super weirded out by the situation, but the meowing is getting super loud and I didn't want the neighbors to be woken up. So I continued with my key, but suddenly I heard another noise that freaked me out. A cough. For the record, I'm not a very cautious person. In my whole 21 years of living in this apartment, I must have looked in the peephole a total of maybe five times. But a small part of my brain told me to do it that night and thank God it did. So I let go of my keys and put my eye against the door and saw it. A man standing there, fucking meowing in front of my door. No. No. Mm-mm. To say that I was terrified is really an understatement. <laughs> but my heart stopped. Oh, no. I stood there petrified for what felt like an hour. I really don't know how long it took for me to move again, but eventually my body took over. I did what you'd expect, ran for my phone, stood in the corner of the living room and called the police. By the time they came there, there was nobody in front of the door. I can't even remember when the meowing stopped. And they just took my testimony before telling me to be cautious and left. To this day, I still don't know what the meowing guy wanted. I'm not sure I want to anyway. Also, I don't know how he got inside the building since you need a key to access it and how he knew that I would open the door if he imitated my cat in front of it. Huh. Oh, God. At least I'll be careful from now on. Uh, And my cat eventually came back since then. He's sleeping in my bed as I'm writing this. (laughs) Okay, two things. Two things. First of all, this reminds me that I live near a dog that when it barks sounds like a person pretending to be a dog. <laughs> so instead Rough. of like dog bark, dog bark, it does. It sounds like woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that every time, and this is a sweet dog. I, uh, every time I hear it, I'm like, why is there a person? Pre- oh, right. Woof. It's just Hercules. <laughs> that is great. Oh, good. And secondly, number two, uh, uh, exhibit B. This is from Zachary Jonah. Mm. I grew up in a small suburb in northeastern Pennsylvania. That's my hood. On a quiet block with wide sidewalks, deep driveways, and maybe only one street light at night. My family's large. I'm the youngest of six. And all the kids' rooms were on the second floor of our house. My room was directly above the stairs. If you stepped out of it, you'd have a perfect vantage point looking down the long banister to the base of the stairs and then to the front door. Our parents slept on their own floor. It was another long flight of stairs to reach them. It happened around 1 or 2 a.m. the first time I saw him. I was 13 and it was early fall. At this point, all of my siblings were in college or beyond, so I had an entire floor to myself, five empty bedrooms. My bedroom, while the smallest, had a series of four consecutive vertical windows opposite my bedroom door and facing our neighbor's house, overlooking their driveway. That night, like most nights, my blinds were completely drawn up, meaning there was a nearly full wall of transparent glass, pierced by some moonlight, but otherwise black with the outlines of a few trees. I got up to pee, leaving my room and walking down the hallway to the bathroom. When I walked back into my room, I glanced towards the windows, and I noticed that the leaves and the moonlight were kind of moving against a new shadow that wasn't normally there. As my eyes adjusted and focused, I was standing just in from the door, maybe eight feet from the windows. A tall, pale man in a dark turtleneck and coat came into view. 
His feet weren't touching anything. He was almost swaying as if suspended. But I couldn't see a rope or tether. His eyes seemed to be searching the room. His face was turning slightly, scanning the room. And then he saw me. He waved and he was smiling widely. His eyes were really white and his hair was dark and short. His expression changed into a sort of ironic scowl, like he was teasing me. I stared back at him for a few seconds before my mind caught up with me, and then I screamed and ran out of the room and up the stairs to get my parents. My dad came downstairs, turned on the lights, and looked outside my window. Nothing. He said I was dreaming. From that night until I left for college, that's five years, I would hear sounds like shuffling and light tapping on the shingles. I would lean on the banister at night. For five years, I would lean on the banister at night, crouching my head, watching the front door for signs of movement. One time, I thought I saw the mail slot in the front door quickly open and close, like it was being flicked from the outside. Mm -mm. My parents chalked so much of this up to my imagination, to scary movies, to a sibling with empty nest syndrome. I was so terrified of my windows, even with the blinds closed, that I would take turns sleeping in my sister's vacant bedrooms, which had fewer and smaller windows. A year later, around five in the evening, also in the fall, I think, I saw him again. It was lightly raining. The house was empty. My parents were at work. And I decided to snoop around on the third floor in my parents' bedroom and bathroom, looking for nothing in particular. I ended up watching TV on their bed, not even thinking about the angled skylight just six or so feet above my head. And then I heard what sounded like a slippery footstep on the roof. I turned off the TV. I listened closely. A few seconds of nothing. And then a slow, high-pitched voice directly above me. I braced myself on the bed, craning my neck up to the window, and then I saw the tip of a shoe, maybe a sneaker, and I knew if I stood up on the bed to look closer, he would be there, looking down, waiting for me to see him. Oh, God. But I leaped from the bed and ran down two flights of stairs and out the front door, down the street to my friend's house. I don't even think I was wearing shoes. I told my parents what happened, but at this time they were tired of hearing about the man outside the window. My mom said maybe it was, in fact, just a cat. Maybe it was. That was the last time I saw him, although the rooftop sounds continued until I moved away from home. I live in Brooklyn now, and my windows are covered with curtains at bedtime, but I'm still convinced that he'll be here waiting for me if I ever open them at night. That we had two creepy meowing stories. I know! I know! (laughs) Synchronicity! (laughs) So good! What is up with all of these parents not believing their kids? I mean, it's one thing if you're like monster in the closet, okay, okay. But if you think Mm -hmm. if you think somebody is like looking in your windows, why are you Well, it's the second floor. 
Right. Oh. So even still, I just think that people are, are capable of such wonderful good and such terrible bad that, like, it's all, it's all possible. Oh, um, doop, 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 doop. This one is a little long. Hang on, let me look for something else. This is short. Okay. Just found out that a stalker has been following me for months. From user Q-I-A-R-A Fontana. So I've been living alone in a foreign country for a year already. The last months I've been taking ferry to move, taking the ferry to move because the metro is usually crowded, stressful, and in COVID times is a nope for me. So ferry is always the best option, at least uh, my thought until this week. On Monday, a random guy, probably 30 to 35, sat next to me on the ferry and tried to talk. I'm not good with the language yet, so I let him understand I didn't know what he was saying. He kept talking and showed me his phone. He had just taken a picture of me. I asked him to delete it, but he didn't understand. So I ignored him to make him stop. It was irrelevant at the moment. On Tuesday, I noticed the guy was in the ferry again, but this time he greeted me and called me by name with multiple question marks behind it. Which, of course, surprised me, since I didn't know him. He sat next to me and started talk, kept talking nonstop, but this time he went over familiar and tried to hug me. For my luck, a woman noticed it and sat between him and me, pretending to be my friend. I've done that for people before. It's been a, oh, it's been yeah, a long that's time, critical. but where I've been like, oh my gosh, hey, it's so nice to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Necessary. Yeah. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday, I used the metro instead of the ferry. On Thursday, I took the ferry, and there the guy was again. This time, he sat far away. When the ferry reached the other side, I noticed the guy was following me, so I changed my route and went to a bus stop, which is just next to the ferry port. It sounds like they're on Staten Island. Um, it, yeah. Because it was late night, there wasn't so much, so many people. Or maybe this person is on Staten Island, and this is English as a second language. Um, so I, there was a, a boop, boop. Wasn't so many people around, and I was scared. So I sat in the bus stop, and there was a couple waiting there, so I felt safe. But the stalker came and sat next to me and suddenly held my arm while saying, come, 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 and trying to take me with him. At this moment, I just held his arm tight and asked help. So the couple next to me called the police, and I did the report, mentioned that on Monday he was taking pictures of me, that he might be doing the same with other girls. Police asked him for his phone, and to my surprise, he handed it to them with no problems, like he was sure nothing was going to happen to him. When the police checked his phone, they found pictures of me not just from Monday... This guy has been taking pictures of me for months. Months. (gasps) Not just on the ferry, but also in the parking site and even outside of my home. Besides my pictures, they found pictures of a different girl who I believe he's been following for months as well. The worst thing about this whole situation is that I filed the report to the police, but they couldn't do anything because the guy hasn't hurt me. So now I'm looking for a new place to live. (laughs) Oh my fuck. Yeah, I hate that. We have to change that. Uh, Why is that? Yeah. Mm. And one of Why the, is that still such a fucking loophole? One of the comments is, quote unquote, call us if he kills you. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I hate it. Oy, yikes. All right, here we go. This is a story from Joner. 
This is not my story, but my best friend's, and I'm sharing it with his blessing. About 10 years ago, he and his girlfriend had some really hard times and ended up living in a housing project apartment in the small town where we grew up. It was kind of a crazy, rambunctious place. Lots of people breaking into each other's apartments to steal stuff to buy meth. Just not a great place to raise a kid. Their son was six at the time, and they were really bummed and ashamed at having to bring him up there and all of that. Pretty soon after they moved in, a whole apartment full of people got busted for cooking meth in the kitchen and pumping the exhaust into the middle courtyard grounds where all the little kids played. Because the tubing (laughs) coming out of the kitchen couldn't be easily seen from the street. Wow. You get it. It was a bad place. Wow. Their kid responded to the hardship of losing their house and moving and his mom having to work nights with some pretty bad night terrors. They scared the hell out of my friend, who would stay up all night, totally unable to sleep due to the stress, just waiting for his son to freak out. He would go to work the next day completely frazzled, and his wife would be home all day, also tired and unable to sleep, and their kid was a huge mess from all the sleep disturbances and stress. I remember seeing them all during that time and thinking they were at the limit of what they could handle. They just looked worn down. So eventually, the kid tells his dad that he's only scared of his bedroom, nothing else, that he just can't sleep in that room because it's too scary. They figure this means he was just not used to the new room. It was smaller, the sounds were different, and it faced the courtyard, which was rowdy at night. Hmm. They agreed to let him sleep in their room for a while, since his mother was at work all night anyway. This worked okay for a bit, and my friends started relaxing and turning off the TV at a reasonable hour and going upstairs to sleep next to his son. He woke up a lot every night still, but some sleep was better than none, and he chalked it all up to that nervous lizard brain you get when you sleep in a new place. One night, he kept waking up because he thought he heard footsteps in the downstairs hall. He got up several times to check. Nothing there. Doors locked. It happened so many times that he thought he was having auditory hallucinations, and he checked the windows in the back courtyard to see if meth exhaust was to blame. He wanted so badly to find a reason for this shit. He kept trying to fall asleep, and it just kept happening over and over. Finally, he got up and turned the upstairs hall light on and just stood there for a while, and nothing. Not a sound. He lay back down, and after about five minutes... There it was again, only this time it was closer, like it was on the stairs. Don't like it. He checked the stairs again and again. He thought he was totally losing it because he couldn't detect the sound at all in the hallway, only in the bedroom. After about 20 minutes of this back and forth, he lay down again and noticed that his little boy had rolled over in the bed and was now facing him. Uh, he, in the light from the hall, he could see his son's face. The kid's eyes were wide open, which wasn't abnormal for the beginning of his night terrors, Mm -hmm. but his face at that moment was completely calm. My friend asked his son, are you asleep, honey? Go back to sleep. It's okay. Hoping to sort of talk him out of a full-blown episode. At that moment, he started to hear the goddamn sound again on the stairs and then in the hall and then every hair on his body stood up straight nah. because he knew that whatever was there wasn't really there. He watched as the look on his son's face changed from a calm gaze over his shoulder to what he described as the most terrified I have ever seen him. His face just totally twisted. And the kid opened his mouth like he was going to scream and then just said in a whisper 
Dad, it's in here now. My friend straight up refused to turn around and look at this thing, whatever it was, because he felt like it wanted him to do that. And he was sick of it running their lives. So he said, it's not real, baby. Go back to sleep. It's not real. Over and over, even though he knew it was right behind him. And he was terrified every single second they lay there. Eventually, his kid closed his eyes and went back to a sound sleep. And he lay there without moving until the sun came up. His entire body was sore and tense from being in the same position for hours. To this day, he says the scariest thing about the whole experience was feeling it fade away from behind him. Like it was sort of ebbing out of the room and back down the stairs. Oh, God. He says that made him feel like he'd beaten something, which felt good. But then he started wondering what the fuck it was that was messing with them. His wife came home that morning and wanted to know why all of the food in the fridge was completely rotten. (gasps) Had the power gone out overnight? It hadn't. The fridge was cold and everything in the freezer was frozen, but everything meat or dairy in the fridge had a nasty smell that took over the whole apartment. Holy shit. They got out of there a couple weeks later and moved in with friends for a while, which was something they had been trying to avoid, but life got so much better once they made that decision. Things finally just started to go right. Nope. Oh. No. No, 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 no. You know what it reminds me of? Mm. You grabbing that shofar. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No. No. <laughs> no. This is not how we act. This ain't it. Oh, my God. Oh. Nope. <laughs> this one's uh, um, from user Tetra- Tetrahedral Cathedral. Love it. And it's called Saved by Angels in a Station Wagon. And this will probably be my last one. Okay. I sat on a wooden bar stool behind the register in the nastiest gas station I've seen before or since. It was my third night in a row on the graveyard ship, despite my constant pleas for daylight hours. At night, the place became purgatory. Not not surprising. No matter how hard you'd scrub or how many times you'd mop, a thick film of filth remained on every surface. I would go for hours without seeing a single car drive past. I often questioned if the rapture happened if I was the only one left. We were a stone's <laughs> throw from another 24-hour gas station franchise that was cleaner, properly lit, and had an equipment update within the last decade. Needless to say, I had a lot of downtime. It was half past midnight, and I had six and a half hours to kill. I was reading from the first volume of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, my God. But it was a very it, cute. It was like a child who was Dexter. It was a, co- yeah. it was a comic book graphic novel. Comic book, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's where oh I got God. Squee from because his little friend said squee all the yeah, time yeah right uh <clears throat> i was reading from the first volume of johnny the homicidal maniac and doing my best not to look at the clock as i would soon learn i was being irresponsibly unaware of what was going around on around me out of the corner of my eye i saw a brown wood panel station wagon pull up to a pump two men exited the car and walked inside one looked older he was wearing a leather jacket the same shade of brown as his vehicle The younger guy was close to my age, and he wore a faded Carhartt coat. I don't know what that means. And work boots. Oh, I, um, they're like, it's like a construction company, Mm, Carhartt. mm -hmm. 
they they always wear that really uh, like tough canvas. Oh, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I got you. Uh, both were covered in a layer of dust or dirt that suggested manual labor. These were country gentlemen. I greeted them and asked what I could help them with. They told me they're not interested in buying anything, but I had to stop by and make sure everything was okay here. I was appreciative, albeit visibly confused. The younger man asked me, did you know you're being watched? As he subtly gestured outside. Sure enough, I saw the dark outline of a man standing completely motionless near a streetlight. None of his features were visible, but I could tell he was staring directly at us. The older man said that they had been driving by 45 minutes earlier and almost hit him as he was standing in the middle of the road. He theorized that the man was possibly on drugs. They decided to take the long way home that night to see if the guy was still hanging around. Mind you, this was 45 minutes after they almost ran the guy over. Had he been watching me the whole time? I looked outside again to find he hadn't moved a muscle. He was positioned on the border of the streetlight's illumination. I noticed his jaw was moving like he was saying something. Oh, I asked the younger man to lock the deadbolt on the front door. Literally my only line of defense in this situation. They both agreed to wait with me into the store while I contacted police. Until that moment, I maintained composure, trying not to make it obvious that I felt extremely vulnerable. Here I was at the mercy of three complete strangers, hoping the two I had in front of me were genuinely there to help. Yeah, that's also true. Like, we just locked each other in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, boop, boop. When the dispatch operator confirmed they had units on the way, I felt safe enough to end the call. I thanked the two men profusely, and they walked out the door. Why? Why'd you let them... After pausing for a moment, they turned around and came back inside. The younger one plainly stated, lock the door. He's coming this way. Then immediately ducks back out the door so I can lock myself in. No, stay with her. What? Mm. I don't even know that it's a her, but still stay with this person. That's fucked. Um, As I flipped the deadbolt into position, I could see the dark figure moving towards the building at an intentioned pace, making it across the parking lot in about 10 strides. He tried opening the door but found it wouldn't budge. He asked the older man, where did the girl go? Who then tried to buy me some time saying I was in the bathroom and would be back in a minute. So this man, the possible assailant, walks around the corner towards the bathroom door and disappears behind the building. And of course we didn't have cameras outside to keep employees safe on the job. The only three working Mm. security feeds happened to all be trained exclusively on where the cashier would stand. It felt accusatory. Sure. It was at this point when real fear began to set in and I lost control of my composure. This unidentified man who had apparently been watching me for close to an hour was now laying in wait for me to exit the bathroom. I started to hyperventilate his thoughts of what his motivation could be. Had he been watching me before tonight? Was my store chosen at random or did this guy come before uh, come here because he saw a small female at the register? Did he have a weapon on him or did he plan to use his bare hands for whatever was going on, whatever he was going to do? I peeked out the window and saw the two gentlemen exchanging glances and muted discussion of how to proceed from there. Thankfully, a local police SUV tore down the street and into the parking lot of the building next door, turned on his flashers, quickly coming to a stop. As soon as I was absolutely sure the man was gone, I sat on the curb outside, sucking every last drop of nicotine out of my cigarette held in a trembling hand. (laughs) As if I telepathically summoned her, my phone rings with a call from my best friend. She said she was thinking about me and thought she would call to say what's up. All I could respond was, get here now. 20 minutes later, all my roommates showed up in a pickup truck and stayed with me long enough for me to feel comfortable again. As anticlimactic as this ended, it could have been a lot worse. I could have been robbed, 
murdered all like all this i all because i wasn't paying attention i'll never know the true will of the dark figure in the street light and that's maybe that's for the best um <laughs> i wish i could have gotten one of the gentlemen's contact information so i could send a beef jerky bouquet or something manly that says thank you <laughs> great um i had a stalker when i was working at seafood kitchen and um that was of particular upsetness because i literally lived across the street like it was a two lane is this when you were saying at saint augustine mm-hmm. um this is the place that you would make your like fucking pina colada yeah, in a cup yep. and, and then go to work in your flip-flops mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i got it um <laughs> yeah yeah and i lived i you know it was a two-lane highway so it wasn't like a country road or something but um, it was still right across the street and this guy had mm-hmm. come in and was being weird and I don't know why, but I, I guess I had seen this. I, I really don't know why I told him I was a lesbian. Like he was hitting on me and I was like, sorry, I don't like guys. I only like girls. That doesn't help. I don't know if you no, know No, but it, it was definitely some, oh God. Yeah. It was a go-to technique that never, ever helped. Mm-hmm. So, um, then he wanted to, like, introduce me to all of his lesbian friends, and he was just around a lot, and... Quote, unquote, all his lesbian friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First of all, this shows you how many girls he was fucking (laughs) crediting, because he knew that many people who were like, oh, sorry, no dick for me, no dick for me. So, um, God damn it. but you know, I had tried other things in the past with un- unwanted come ons. Yeah. If you, if somebody, if you're like, oh, I'm married uh, the I mean, half the time, the next thing out of their mouths is like, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, you're going to like me better than your husband. Whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you say that you have a partner. It doesn't matter what gender you say. Like you could, you could say, my vagina is dripping with syphilis, and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> it wouldn't ever matter. Um, but <clears throat> one night, Rosemary, my boss, came in. Um, there was a, a – the bar part was pretty dark because it was a bar, and then the restaurant area was more well lit. And I would go in between my um, tables, and I would have a cigarette, and I would play that magic touch game where you can match things. Uh and you can't see outside. The only light is in where in the bar. There's no lights outside except for like, you know, over by the street. And she was like, hey, honey, uh, come into the kitchen real quick. And I was like, oh, why? What did I thought my tables closed out? And they were like, yeah, 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 just come here, come here. And she was like, do you know, like a guy with fluffy white hair? And I was like, that, yeah, remember I told you that guy was coming around and bothering me. And she was like, he's been standing outside looking in, watching you smoke a cigarette. Like, with his face pressed up against the window. No. Wait, hang on, hang on. Mm. I have to clarify. Is it fluffy white hair like he's that old? Or was he, like, platinum blonde slash albinism? Oh, I mean, older? Old enough to have white hair, but I'm not sure if it was also blonde. But it was very fluffy. And you were, like, not even 20. Yeah, I know. I was just 21. But, yeah. 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 God. Oh. Yeah, and I think think one of the guys either walked me home or took me home in it. Nope. That was the summer of Kevin's. That was when busboy Kevin took me home (laughs) in his truck and then wanted to hang out for a really long time. So that wasn't very much better. And then explain. His fucking 
god. Oh, I, I have to go back and listen to this. No, this that is a different a Kevin. I've never told a story about this Kevin. Different Kevin? Yep, I told you. Summer of Kevins. There were so many. There was Upstairs Neighbor this Kevin. There was Drunken Friend Kevin. This is true. Busboy Kevin. There was um, Kevin, my friend, who my friend had been dating before, but he didn't go by Kevin. Um, it was... Prison Kevin. It was intense. Yeah. Prison Kevin God is Drunken Friend it. Kevin. Oh, man. I really do wonder what happened to that kid. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, I got one more paranormal, okay. and it's real good. I don't have the username. Okay. I started babysitting at age 13 in the early 90s. I freaked myself out so many times, just being young and into reading horror fiction, hello, <laughs> and staying at houses on the outskirts of the small town where there were fewer streetlights. So I have many overactive imagination stories, but this is one I still wonder about. One of my best clients was a family with identical twin girls, Marie and Beth. Dirty blonde, curly hair, pale skin, green eyes, matching outfits. The girls were considered hellions and went through babysitters very quickly. <laughs> I didn't have much of a problem with them, however. It was regular kid stuff, not doing their homework until they suddenly remembered at 9 p.m., climbing trees and getting stuck, roller skating in the house when they shouldn't. Once they realized I was firm but still fun, we got along just fine. It was around my 10th time babysitting for them that was a bit odd. I had trouble telling the girls apart, and their parents never introduced them. Each night I'd figure out who was who from context clues. Oh, God. The girls' the girls' interests, Beth was more bookish, Marie loved horses and cats, or from hearing one call the other by name. This evening... I had trouble figuring out who was who. One seemed a big bit off and kept staring into space, singing little tunes, chasing the family cat with her face all bunched up in fury in a way that made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> so I let the cat outside for the night, and we all started a movie. I made popcorn. We curled up on the couch, me in the middle. As we were watching the movie, one of them went to the washroom. The other leaned in close and whispered in my ear, that's not really Beth, she said. I figured it was a twin game, mm -hmm. and I played along and asked, Ooh, who is it then? I don't know, Marie whispered. I've never met her before. Oh, fuck. I don't like her, but we should pretend to like her. Wow. Oh, God. Babysitting twins is great for getting the creeps. <laughs> we watched the rest of the movie and the girls went to bed without incident. I settled in on the couch with a book and for about an hour, uh, I settled in on the couch with a book for about an hour until I heard a short scream from upstairs. I called out, no reply, and then ran up the stairs to find Marie outside of her room holding her arm. Beth bit me, she said. Oh. Sure enough, on her arm were several indented marks that looked like she'd been bitten. Fortunately, the skin wasn't broken, no blood. I asked her what happened, and she said she didn't know. She'd been asleep when Beth woke her up by biting her. I went into the room to chew out Beth, but she was fast asleep, or faking sleep very well. Marie really, really did not want to continue to sleep in the same room as Beth. 
This is where my babysitter imposter syndrome kicked in. I was 13. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, Should I wake Beth and demand a response? Should I believe Marie and let her sleep on the couch with me? I didn't want to get in trouble for making the wrong call. As a child, I was never really sure what the line was between following the parents' directions and improvising. As a compromise, I asked Marie to go back to bed in their shared room, and I sat in the hallway outside the room for the next few hours reading a book, so I would be close if they needed me. Nothing else happened. When their parents came home, I went downstairs to greet them. They asked how things had gone. I didn't want to out the girls for misbehaving, but I did say that they'd had a bit of a fight, and it seemed sorted out. The parents were confused and asked what I meant, because Beth wasn't home. Oh. <gasps> She was at a sleepover at a friend's house that night. Holy shit! They asked, did I mean Marie and Beth fought earlier in the day before I'd arrived and Marie was still upset? I was so confused that I just nodded and did not say anything else. Wow. Again, Babysitter imposter syndrome. I wish I'd asked the parents to go upstairs with me and peek in at the girl's room to see if they were both there. Oh, my God. Instead, I let the mom walk me home as normal. Wow. The parents never mentioned anything unusual to me after that. (laughs) The obvious explanation is that Beth had come home from the sleepover early and the parents would have realized that in the morning when the girls woke up safe and sound in their beds. But I couldn't drop the feeling that the real Beth had never been in the house at all that night. Oh, my God. Oh, no. No! <laughs> oh. No, dun, dun, dun. no, 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 no. And I have a little palate cleanser oh, that I think you will appreciate. This is from Dancer in the Snark. <laughs> I used to live in a sketchy part of Boston. One night, my cat had escaped from the apartment, so I went out to look for him. This was after midnight, and the streets were deserted. I had walked for about a block when I saw a man walking on the other side of the street. Now, I'm naturally paranoid, so I had my eye on him, even though he just seemed like some guy walking home. But instead of just walking by, he looked up, ran across the street toward me, and pulled out a gun. Ah. Instead of being terrified... I became enraged and shouted, fuck you, as loudly as I could. He turned tail and ran off. Wow. Wow. I thought briefly about chasing him so I could beat the shit out of him, but thought better of it and sprinted back home, immediately bursting into tears and called the police. Oh my God. So spunky. A few days later, he was a serial rapist. Oh, and a neighbor found my cat a few days later in his yard, safe and sound. Ah! My poor kitty was too dumb to find his way home. So. Oh, my God. Fuck politeness. And also, don't let your cat out. people. (laughs) Don't. Stop letting your cats out. Well, unless you live in the middle of nowhere. And you know what? Still don't do it. Because the last outdoor cat that I had was hit by something on the road in front of my house where tractors Yeah, are, or they get know, eaten like, by a raccoon. Like, it's not... Don't... Why? Hold on. Hmm. Raccoons eat cats? I mean, they get in fights with them. They don't... I don't think that yeah, they're right. going out to, like, be like, yum, yum, chomp, chomp. It's not, like, an intentional No, thing. but they do... They scrap. 
yeah, um, that reminded me of no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my god! If I had had if I had had a rolled up magazine to bop the fucking shofar guy on the yes. nose with, just like <laughs> totally, absolutely. Oh my god! Mm, so good. Oh my god! These are fucking awful. Yeah, I have a. Well, I have a. I have um a praise report. Um, so when everybody's listening to this, uh, it will be May 6th. And, um, that means that my show, my new show, Dirty Jersey will be going up at Headroom tonight. But in reality, today's Tuesday and we I still have two more days. Thank God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was in, uh, an actual studio space yesterday with a mirror and everything and trying to remember how to walk on heels, which I, mm-hmm, dicey. Could go either way. Oh, so dicey. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I got a message from a friend earlier, and he was talking about how he has um, friends. Uh, it's a couple where it's a cis girl and a cis guy, but the guy likes to present as femme sometimes and was like, would it be okay if I dressed up to come to this show because it sounds like fun? And my friend was like, nothing could have pleased me more than to have said unequivocally, like, Absolutely. There are all kinds of gender nonconforming people who come to the show, sometimes in the show. Um, like it's uh, she creates as safe a space as she can and everybody is welcome. Love it. Me, so excited. So happy. Aww, I mean, I like to praise receive. I like to feel like I create that. But, you know, it's how how do people receive what the atmosphere that you're trying to create? So that made me really, really, really stoked. We often, I, I don't know if I say it with you or with Andrew, but like a merry band of weirdos, yeah. which is a pretty, which is a pretty great panoply of like our, our social circles. Sure. You and me and like your burlesque community and like me and my puppet weirdos <laughs> and like Andrew and his language weirdos. Like merry band of weirdos. Like home for wayward girls. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yay. I can't wait to hear all about mm-hmm. it. Very excited. Yay. It would be very good for them, I think, if they also did, like, a paid virtual thing. Just so, uh, like, if they possible. wanted to have... I would have to hire somebody else to do that, though. Like, the venue or me. Somebody would have to hire somebody to pay attention to whatever camera was filming it. Mm. Like, Because that's a whole job. Mm-hmm. You can't just, like, let it go. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It would have to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Event bright, or but something. I am hoping to just record it, and if it's a good enough quality, I'll probably post it somewhere. At Yay. least snippets, schniblets. So exciting! You've got such a good lineup so this week. Exciting. It's gonna be so great. Next week is gonna be Regina Stargazer and Broody Valentino and Foxy Bella Freak. And the Delicious. week after, I think is Chartreuse and Go Go Gadget, and a couple people. It's gonna be. I can't wait to. See. I get every time somebody says yes, I'm like. Oh, it's so weird. I know. That's a nice thing. Mm -hmm. I love that nice thing. Praise report. Thanks, fuck buddies. Thanks, fuck buddies. Turn on a nightlight and also wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) Turn on a nightlight, wear a mask, get your shots. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. Signing off then, I suppose. Yeah.
Oh, also, always lock your doors and fuck politeness. Yes. For sure. That's, that's pretty good. Mm. <laughs> and get a peephole if you don't have one already. Peep, peep. Peep. <laughs> that would make peeping Tom so much less upsetting. If they just peeped? No. If what they just went peep? No. More upsetting. No. Unequivocally more upsetting. Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs>